Uh, Jesus paid it all. What a theme. If you have your Bibles, let's go ahead and take those to the book of Psalms. We're going to look at a couple passages there. If you don't have a uh, copy of the scriptures, we have some extras. And if you'd like one, if you would just may, mind raising your hands, we have an usher in the back there who can get you one. Got um, plenty of those. We want you to be able to follow along with us. Um, very good. If yeah, you, you know, the Psalms is kind of easy to find. You just sort of flap your Bible open in the middle and, and you'll usually drop down into the Psalms. Really appreciate Seth ministering to us in music and uh, it's encouraging to see all those, sure from Eric and Patsy's standpoint, all the lessons, all the, I think Seth's a part of the Men Are Marching Band and uh, all the time and effort and to see it come really to what I believe is its pinnacle point and that is to minister in the local New Testament church and uh, encourage Kids who are thinking about taking instruments, thinking about developing song and musical skill, we really encourage you to do that. And remember that, you know, it's in the local church that you really have the opportunity to find that significance of why God maybe has given you that talent and that ability is to really minister to here. And I know, Seth, our hearts were ministered to very much and uh, so thankful for that great theme. Well, we have a very simple proposition this morning, uh, and that is this. If you want to write it down, if you're a, a note-taking individual, I'm not going to hide it until the end. I'm just going to tell you what it is. And that is this, that thankfulness gives God a legitimate reason to exhibit His power. Thankfulness gives God a legitimate reason to display His power. Now, a couple things I want to do at the front end First of all, I want to define legitimate. And uh, uh, legitimate, what I mean by legitimate is that it is in line with what God seeks. Okay? That's what I mean by legitimate. Uh, I don't mean any other kinds of thoughts that you could import into that idea that it somehow is over God and God has to respond. Uh, that's not necessarily what I'm trying to say. I'm simply trying to say that Thanksgiving, by the witness of the Word of God, is legitimate uh, uh, reason for God to exhibit His power because it is truly what God is seeking and what He longs for. So I want to make that uh, uh, understanding clear up front. The second thing I want us to do is to recognize out front that we're going to be walking into some interesting psalms. This morning, we're actually going to be looking at three different passages in three different psalms. And the psalms that we're looking at are, are difficult because they have the author of the psalm off, uh, proclaiming a desire for God to destroy his enemies uh, and uh, for really God to vindicate his name. And that's really what we want to focus on, uh, that uh, we live in a different time. Uh, uh, but God is still interested in vindicating his name. He's not going to necessarily vindicate his name in the same way he did under uh, the nation of Israel and how the covenant, uh, uh, the, the promises God made between himself and the nation of Israel, he's not going to necessarily vindicate his, himself in, the same, in that same way today. 
How he does vindicate his name today is he, he has a different faith community. That's you and I, if you know Jesus as your Savior this morning. He has us going about the business of making disciples. So God vindicates his name on this earth, not necessarily by removing the influence of those who don't uh, worship him or hate him, but rather he goes beyond that and he takes the influence of people who initially don't love him and he, he, he transforms them so that their influence becomes a... Uh, a, louding, a growing louder voice of people who love God. Uh, so we want to just make that note. Uh, if you're interested in, we're going to be looking at some lament psalms. A lament psalm is characterized by the fact that uh, the author kind of goes back and forth between confidence and concern, and he's wrestling a little bit in his mind, and uh, that's one psalm, kind of psalm. And the other, second one we're going to be looking at is what we call an imprecatory psalm, and uh, where, where the psalmist is interested in that God vindicates his name. Uh, so we share that desire. Uh, we just pursue it in a different way. And we're thankful that that's the way we get to pursue it. So with those sort of thoughts on the table, let's go ahead and look uh, to the Lord for help this morning uh, that we really understand the theme of thankfulness as we are here in this wonderful season together. Uh, Father, we thank you so much for... Uh, the truth from the Word of God. Uh, we pray, Lord, that you would uh, take the truth from the Word this morning and, and may it help us to be better disciples, first and foremost, of Jesus Christ. And secondly, as we are disciple makers, as we have people whom we are responsible for encouraging their growth in the Lord, I pray that uh, we would learn some, some thoughts and some uh, large themes that we can take and use to encourage and comfort those who we are helping to become a disciple of Jesus Christ. And, and then finally, Lord, if there is any under the sound of my voice this morning who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior, oh God, how I pray that you would please uh, arrest their attention this morning with their eternal condition. Lord, give them the supernatural ability, the gift of being able to think outside of time and to think about where they will spend in eternity. And oh, dear Jesus, how we thank you. You have clearly communicated to us how we can be assured of a home in heaven with God forever. And I pray for those folks that they would see Jesus high and lifted up and be drawn unto him. And Lord, these are our desires, and we come to you with hearts that are filled with thanksgiving. In Jesus' name. Amen. You know, as believers, it is our desire to see God demonstrate His power in our lives. When I was in college, I, I kind of hung out with a group of guys that just longed to see God's power. And there were all kinds of things that they did to try to, uh, to, to see God work powerfully. Uh, it's, it's a longing of God's people to not only hear of God's power in the Word of God, but to see it, right? To see it in our time, in our generation. I think as young college men, we sort of missed uh, sort of how it is in fact God is demonstrating His power in our time. But I think it's commendable. 
that we longed to see God's power. And I hope if you're a believer this morning, you long to see God's power. Um, and we may wonder, though, at times, considering God in his sovereignty, what part can we possibly play in, 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 in seeing God display his power? You know, we profess God's goodness and sovereignty, and well, we should. And we do so in all things. And yet our experience in life seems to at times mock that profession. We, we at times, it seems that God is not as good or in control of our lives as we believe him to be, maybe perhaps in other people's lives. Have you ever wondered at those times what exactly God is seeking in your life? I have. And I think in this, in this time of, of, of Thanksgiving, this Thanksgiving season, and I, I hope we've recovered from the tryptophan uh, in the turkey, by the way. I hear that that sort of puts you to sleep. Hopefully uh, uh, you have a tryptophan antidote. I don't know what exactly that is, but hopefully we'll stay awake. Uh, but we're in this wonderful time of uh, Thanksgiving. But have you, have you ever wondered what, what exactly God is seeking? So it is in the book of Psalms that the psalmist teaches us that in the paradox of God's righteous sovereignty and our difficult life experience, God delights in the assurance of a thankful heart. In fact, from the author's perspective, it is the assurance that the author will give to God of a thankful heart that is the ordained reason for God to exhibit his goodness and control in his life. So this morning, I want to look at three different texts in Psalms, and what really binds these texts together is the idea of thanksgiving. I want to look at them and draw what I believe, then, after we do that, uh, to be an application for we as church saints that demonstrates that it is thankfulness that gives God legitimate reason to exhibit his power and control in my life and in your life. So let's take our Bibles and turn to Psalm 140, 140, verses 12 and 13. We'll be looking at Psalm 140, and Psalm 142, and Psalm 145. And don't worry, we're not going to look at every verse in each one of those Psalms. We're just going to try to surface the theme, or a theme. And as you read down through the psalm, we want to focus on verses 12 and 13 in Psalm 140. This is a psalm of lament. Uh, this is a, also an imprecatory psalm. It's got that kind of back and forth, confidence, concern, and it's also an imploring for God to vindicate his name. Uh, David is in trouble. Um, and he says this in verse number 12, I know that the Lord will maintain the cause of the afflicted and justice for the poor. Surely the righteous will give thanks to thy name. The upright will dwell in thy presence. I want you to, if you're in the habit of underlining in your Bible, just circle uh, verse number 13 and underline, surely the righteous will give thanks to thy name. The righteous will give thanks to thy name. So the first truth we want to see this morning from Psalm 140 is that thankfulness gave God a legitimate reason for him to exhibit his justice 
in David's life. This is what David is praying for. He's praying for justice. This is the psalmist's desire. And we, we see in verse number 1 and verse number 4 that he longed to be preserved from violent men. He longed for justice. Why, we would ask, should God preserve the psalmist? Or sort of turning the question a little differently, what could the psalmist possibly give God in exchange for justice? What does the psalmist teach that God seeks for? Well, the psalmist's reassurance or argument or assurance to God is that surely righteous will give you thanks. Righteous will give you thanks. This is what the righteous possess to offer God. And I would argue this is what God in fact seeks, particularly in times when things don't seem to add up. This is what he longs for from his people. He longs for them to reassure him that their lips will give him thanks. Well, how does that all fit together, Pastor? Well, I'm not quite getting the, uh, uh, how those two things connect. Well, uh, I say this. This is what God seeks. It is the most valuable thing that the righteous have to give. It is the genius of worship. You cannot worship without a heart of thanksgiving. You cannot worship without a supernatural act in salvation having been wrought in your life so that your overarching disposition is a disposition of thankfulness. So you need supernatural help. But once you have come to God and have enjoyed that supernatural help, that new nature that enables you now to reassure God that you will be thankful as we wait for your justice. This is what God seeks. This is what he desires. What is the occasion for thanksgiving? Or what, what is the, 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 the focal point of thanksgiving? Well, in verse 13, surely the righteous will give thanks to what? Thy name. That's very important. As the righteous understand how in the world they deal with these uh, in, in these times where things just don't add up, what well, is a time to give God thanks for His name? Now, name, when it's used in the Hebrew Scriptures, is a euphemism for God's character or for an individual's character. So when things aren't adding up, God loves to be reassured that regardless of what's going on, God, I can thank you for your character, for your name. And in this case, wait for your justice. This is what God seeks. It goes along with the idea in Proverbs 22.1 that a good name is more dis desirable than great riches. What the proverb isn't saying... You know, it's good to have a cool name like, you know, Chip. Or I remember Pastor Tim talking to Gage. I don't know if Gage is here in the... Is he here, Gage? Are you, are you here, Gage? There you are, yeah. Pastor Tim was 
talking about, Gage is a cool name. I mean, that's the kind of name that every boy wished they had growing up, you know? And uh, so this isn't what this proverb is talking about. It's not talking about a cool name. It's talking about character. Character is more desirable than great riches, godly character. And so turning that from the psalmist's heart to God, God, I, I rejoice in your character, in your name, and I will give thanks, and the righteous do that. So what is it that the righteous is banking on in God's character? They're thanking God for the truth that regardless of what my circumstances seem to be arguing, regardless, God, you are just now, the timing may be a little off, <laughs> but the reality is, you are not the problem. You are just in your character. And as someone who has been made righteous by Jesus Christ, I plead for justice, but regardless, Lord God, I will always have on my lips thankfulness for your character. For your character. So God is just. In fact, in verse number 12, he says this, I know that the Lord will maintain the cause of the afflicted. I know that. Regardless of what's going on right now, I know that if not in time, in eternity, it will be clear that God maintains the cause of the afflicted. God is just. Period. So the psalmist, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, assures God that when deliverance comes, this petition for deliverance will turn into even a grander prayer of thanksgiving, if you will. There's nothing quite like a thankful heart, or in this case, the assurance of a thankful heart that is more in line with what God seeks in our lives. There's nothing quite like that. You know, I'm reminded of the ten lepers in the New Testament. Remember that story? Remember all ten were healed, but how many came back to say, thank you? Good, Leah, just one. Of all the miracles that the Lord Jesus Christ exhibited in the Gospels, why was this particular one chosen? At, at this point, it's not chosen because it is somehow uh, demonstrating something about God, Jesus' authority that the other miracles didn't. No, Jesus is God. He is divine. He has authority over the curse of sin in the condition of humanity. He can reverse it. But that's not why that story is brought to bear in that gospel account. It is simply this. It is because one came back and was thankful. Because this is what Jesus seeks. This is the genius of the heart of worship. This is the evidence of being born again. This is new life in Christ. It's a heart that is dominated ultimately by thanksgiving. You know, it's like little Snoopy being thankful at Thanksgiving time with his popcorn. You know, it's that simple. 
And that's why that, that miracle is there. Just think, if, if, if that leper did not come back, we would have never have known that story. It was not noteworthy at that moment. Even though the power of God is demonstrated... You see, what's noteworthy, folks, is not that God is powerful per se. That is noteworthy. And it's noteworthy that God in His power has created the universe. That's noteworthy when you really think about it. The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows His handiwork. Every day is pouring forth truth about God and His glory. But what is absolutely arresting is when people who hate God's authority become thankful for God's authority, that rattles the posts of heaven. That's amazing. That is noteworthy. That is huge. That's huge. Are you thankful this morning? Do things not add up in your life? What is God seeking? What's He trying to do? Well, on His side, He's... He's trying to give you to, over to enjoy what holy living is. It's, it's a heart of thanksgiving, and there's joy in that. And there's, there's an arrangement of the inner man that begins to take place when that is the cornerstone of who you are. And then uh, on the other side, he's, he's witnessing to the world of his power. So not only does a thankful heart give God a legitimate reason to demonstrate his justice, in this case, in Psalm 140, it is also a legitimate reason for him to show his deliverance. Let's go over to Psalm 142. Psalm 142. I'm really just going to focus down on verse 7 for now. Here, David, please. Here, things aren't adding up again in his life. And he pleads... Bring my soul out of prison for the singular purpose that I may give you, that I may give thanks to your name. The righteous will surround me, for thou wilt deal bountifully with me. Now, this obviously has, has a little bit of uh, a little bit more oomph to the request. David is simply praying in, along the lines of the promise that God had already made to David. We call that the Davidic covenant that David wouldn't die before he had children. <laughs> and at this point in his life, I don't think he has any kids. So he's got sort of that promise running up underneath him. But even with that promise running up underneath him, this isn't the vocalized reason that he gives God to act on his behalf to deliver him. That's interesting to me. He says, there's one thing I know you see, God. You want me to be thankful. That's it. You want me to be a worshiper. So even though you've promised I won't die, I'm not going to call that, you know, if we call that, call that favor in. No, I know what you're interested in. Thanksgiving. So thankfulness gives God a legitimate reason to demonstrate his deliverance. This is a lament psalm. We believe prison uh, is stated in verse 7 there. This is probably a metaphor for David when he was in the cave at Adullam. Or maybe the cave at Engedi, depending. He was being chased around the backside of the desert by Saul who wanted to kill him. To annihilate his influence off the face of this earth. And oh, by the way, he was paranoid. He, he, was, he, was, he was like, to call Saul bipolar is to be, to be kind. 
The guy was out there. Why? Because the Spirit of God had been rent from him. And the theocratic anointing had gone over to David. He had been left with three million people to govern with no help from God. Can you imagine that? That would cause anybody to be bipolar. And this is, the, this is the reality of Saul. But he's chasing David around the backside of the desert. David's assurance to God is a testimony of thankfulness. David, the man after God's own heart, the man after God's own heart, knew that God delighted in thanksgiving. He assures God that deliverance would maintain on earth a mouth that would give thanks. The logic is that to allow my death and demise would remove from this earth a mouth that seeks to be thankful to you. God, can you, just, can you, can you risk that? David's saying, in effect, God, you can't. Because there's nobody who's more effective at giving you thanks than me. So deliver me. I mean, wow, that's amazing, right? I am the best worshiper, God, <laughs> that you got. And obviously, obviously, if you're going to be arguing that, there has to be a track record of Thanksgiving, doesn't there? You know, Thanksgiving isn't something that just sort of belches out of your existence when times are tough. No, no, the, uh, not a belch. The Thanksgiving is the breath you are breathing in and out every day spiritually. Every breath is a Thanksgiving. This is what God desires. This is what he longs for. This is a legitimate reason to pray for your deliverance, to pray for justice, uh, I would argue. And we'll see it how it walks down into the New Testament church. The occasion for thanksgiving again is what in verse 7? So that I may give thanks to what? That is, I'm the, I can give thanks to the fact that, you're, you know, that you just delivered me. or No, because you have been true to your character. I'm interested in giving thanks for your name. No one else in the land of the living is capable of delivering me. You know, it's also worthy of note here is verse 7. What do the righteous do? Who do they love to be around, according to verse 7? The righteous will surround me. Why? Because they found somebody who worships Jesus, who gives thanks, who gives thanks. Righteous love those people. They love those people. And they pursue the company of those people. Do you want to be influential? Be a man or a woman whose heart is given over to thanking God for his amazing character qualities and allowing that to be the very breath of your existence. And the righteous will surround you because you are the mouthpiece of everything that they know and feel and think in their being. And you're expressing it and you're living it. And you're, you're that. You want to be influential? Be thankful. Be thankful to God for his character. That's an amazing insight, I thought. So on Monday mornings, and if Steve and Mike are going to be around me, I've got to stop being grouchy. You know? Got to stop allowing, we were talking this morning about the negative side of my exhortation gift, to be spilling out all the time. You know, I've got to be thankful. So a thankful heart gives God a legitimate reason to demonstrate his justice in David's life. It was the cause, is, a, is, is a, the petition or the, the guarantee or the assurance uh, for his deliverance. 
And finally, uh, thankfulness gives God a legitimate reason to demonstrate his power and glory on earth. Psalm 145, let's go over there. Psalm 145, we have a little bit longer treatment here, verses 8 through 13. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and great in loving kindness. The Lord is good to all and his mercies are over all his works. All thy works shall give thanks to thee, O Lord, and thy godly ones shall bless thee. They shall speak of the glory of thy kingdom and talk of thy power to make known to the sons of men thy mighty acts and the glory of the majesty of thy kingdom. Thy kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and thy dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord is gracious. He is good to all. I will praise your name and I will give you thanks. I will give you thanks. This psalm is a carefully construct, constructed psalm. It's in an acrostic form. Simply put, that simply means that each verse begins with the next letter of the Hebrew alphabet. The psalm praises Jehovah. This is the special name that God gave to the nation of Israel that they could call him. And it means, I keep my promises. Isn't that a wonderful name? How's that for a cool name? How would you like that to be your name? But this is Jehovah, this one. He is the great king. David's assurance, again, David, knowing the heart of the Lord, reminds him that all of his creation has been created and will, in fact, give thanks to the Lord. Specifically, it will be the glory of God's kingdom that will be upon the lips of the redeemed in that day. And what glory is that? His power, his mighty acts, the glory of which they speak will be his long suffering and the incredible grace and mercy that he displayed to bring us into the church that participates in that kingdom. This will be what's upon the lips. They will give you thanks. David's desire then, it is this reality of the thankful mouths of God's people. That is the reason David petitions God's bounty upon his people, verse 16. This, in effect, is a prayer for King Jesus to set up his rule here on earth. So as much as reversing all the evil and the calamities that is in this world due to sin is a reason for Jesus to set up his kingdom... The prevailing reason, the prevailing reason is, is that will also be a time when more people will give authentic thanks and praise to King Jesus, what he deserves, what he deserves. So the man after God's own heart seems to be teaching us an important lesson, how it is that God operates and what he seeks for in the life of his people, operating on the principle that God does not change in his character from one time in our Bibles to the next, we still have a simple question to ask. We, we got to ask, is there any New Testament text that supports the application that a thankful heart is a legitimate reason for God to demonstrate his power? I mean, can we, like David, exercise ourselves in thankfulness and remind God of our thankfulness with hopes that it motivates God or, or knowing that God seeks this, whether it motivates God, that's a theological problematic statement. <laughs> but we're dealing with this interplay back and forth. It's what God seeks. Does God still seek that as a legitimate reason for him to demonstrate his power? I believe there is. 
Philippians chapter 4. Let's turn over there and we'll close with this. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians chapter 4. Very familiar passage. We use this all time. So in the book of Philippians, we're finding ourselves in the portion of Philippians, uh, in the final portion of Philippians. We are in the middle of a series of commands that would enable the Philippians to continue to persevere in faith. And that's really the, uh, that's really the, the concern of the New Testament local be- church believer. Well, he wants to persevere in faith. He wants to continue to grow in grace based on faith in the Word of God. He doesn't want to give up. He doesn't want to uh, 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 abandon. He wants to persevere. The verses in Philippians uh, chapter 4, verses 6 through 7, these are old friends. Uh, But hopefully as we read them now, you read them with a deeper understanding of how important thankfulness is. In the spirit of the imprecatory and lament psalms we just read, the scene here too is one of great anxious producing emotions, things don't add up even in the life of the church saint. And Paul writes in Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with what? And there it is. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So as you shape your supplication to deal with whatever anxious reality exists in your life, you need to shape it along the lines of God how or what is this doing in my life to enable me to give thanks for your character and the peace of God which ruled the heart of David will rule your heart that's an amazing statement an amazing statement Thankfulness gives God a legitimate reason to exhibit His power. It is supplication with thanksgiving that God seeks. God seeks this. This is what it's all about. He seeks and moves His peace, which surpasses all comprehension to operate in our lives. When we settle upon this truth, and it doesn't happen like that. It it, it, works. The Spirit of God works this in us, often through difficult circumstances. It is a peace forged in the furnace of difficult circumstances, longed for by its supplications that are injected with thankfulness that becomes the guard of the heart. It is a thankfulness to God in the individual's life while wrestling with anxious circumstances that is in part the God-ordained means for this wonderful peace that passes understanding. Those are such long sentences because you're just trying to put in words what God seeks. God seeks a thankful heart. God, remember what Jesus told the woman at the well. I will make worshipers. You don't come with the ability to worship. You have to be made a worshiper. And that never stops, Christian. You are... God is about the business of making you a better worshiper today than you were yesterday. And that boils out. That boils out into being a better individual at being thankful. 
and crafting your life along the lines of being thankful for God's name, for his character. And that, in t- if not in time, in eternity, I will know justice. I will know deliverance. King Jesus, your glory will run around this earth. I believe that because I believe in you, dear God. So whatever's going on in my life that doesn't make sense, that doesn't add up, I am assured that one day it will. It will, believer! It will! God is still on the throne. He is coming again. His character has not changed. Trust him and be thankful. Be thankful.